Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright. That's Howard Tybal. Just back from Las Vegas, baby. Las Vegas. <laughs> I never know what you're going to give me back. I want $138 in a slot machine, Pete. Hey, uh, hashtag IRS. There's got to be <laughs> there's got to be something to report. Oh, my, you know we're gonna we're gonna delete this portion of the uh, <laughs> of the podcast. The machine was going crazy. Truly, the machine wouldn't stop, and I was so excited. But I didn't. I realized that a, a big win on this was two dollars. So uh, you know, seriously, because it, it was a slot funny. machine. It was it was the uh, but it, it the literally one arm bandit. Over. The woman sitting next to me said, "I never saw it do this. I thought I was going to be able to retire, and then it comes up one hundred thirty eight dollars." I'm like, <laughs> "Oh well." Did you summarily lose that $138? No, uh, no you kept I it. Up. I pushed cash out, and I took my money, and I ran. Good for you. I know. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Then I, then I blew it on the, on the blackjack table. <laughs> All right. Hey, so uh, you were in Las Vegas. You were in Las Vegas for the uh, fantastic, uh, boy, Wakubo conference, the was, um, annual meeting. fantastic. Oh, you know, I mean, the first fantastic piece was I got to uh, – you know, do the presentation with Kelly Fox. And uh, we probably had over 200 and between 200 and 250 people. Uh, it was, it was great. I mean, people were, were really saying they loved it. And my favorite part was that we were competing against the piercing and tattoo session who there was in the other room, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they thought we were going to be the boring session. You know, so <laughs> we were having lots of fun. <laughs> It was uh, yeah, it was a good time, and uh, the content from our from our session continues to remind me how important this is because people were having deep insights. Uh, you know, Bill Dillon, who was the executive vice president at Kubo, said he walked away from that very inspired, mostly because he realizes we really do need to find a way to get in there more closely with the academic side of the house and be working with them to solve some of these problems. And I think that being inspired about this and, and being hopeful, being optimistic is probably the number one mindset we have to have looking forward because there's so many reasons to think it can't change. Um, but I am fundamentally optimistic. Oh, that's fantastic. I, you know, a great opportunity again to speak with Kelly Fox, who, uh, if you, um, you know, didn't get a chance to hear our, uh, you know, our, our pre-talk, uh, that we did with uh, with Kelly Fox. You can find that episode 51 a couple of weeks ago. We, we talked with Kelly Fox. You can hear a little bit more about the, the presentation that Howard and Kelly did before they actually did it. Um, now, but you had, I, I got to say, I'm watching your Twitter. I'm like looking, I'm following you around, virtually stalking you. Uh, uh, that's not that that's that's not a kosher term. But I was watching your profession, stalking you professionally uh, yes. as you were at Wakubo. And you had some pretty uh, transformation experiences, uh, learning experiences yourself. And I thought this would be a yeah. great opportunity to debrief, not just, uh, you know, your talk, which we've, we've sort of done, but your experience at Wakubo. It seems like they put on a terrific show. They really did. I, and I'll tell you something, what they, what they did, uh, which is, which is not easy to do is they had, uh, at least for me, and I think for many people, two really great keynotes. Now I was only able to attend these two, uh, just because of my schedule. Uh, but listening to Salman Khan, who, who told the story of how the Khan Academy, uh, came into being and what it is and where it's going. And then, uh, Zemsky, uh, professor Robert Zemsky talking about, 
what it means for this body of business officers to raise the bar and take responsibility for where the academic side of the house needs to go. But he did it in a brilliant way. I mean, let me start with him because here's the subtle, you know, almost could have gone over your head message. And and one of the things he said, one one of the key takeaways I loved at the end was he said, listen, you guys, meaning this audience, you're in charge of the business of higher education. And to grow, to, to, to make changes, sometimes you have to spend money to save money. And he said, your faculty need help making the transition from the old model to whatever the new model is going to be. And to move from the way uh, we've got these lecture halls filled with students to maybe the lecture halls filled with collaborative exercises or uh, collaborative spaces and not the talk to sage on the stage model. But to do that, there's going to need to be some learning. And what he put out to the group was – you know, how can you help them make this transition and, and think of it as an investment versus uh, making speeches, which was great because there's so much there's so much out there where sides make speeches about the other side. And his point was simply, let's stop making speeches and get in there and say really fundamentally to the faculty, we want to help you. We want to help you, and this is why the business model is changing, and we know you can't do it alone. Uh, We will make investments, so work with us to make those changes. And I'm not so sure how many people walked away being inspired by that. Uh, My guess, those who are already doing it uh, are the ones that were validated, and some you know, they're burying the weeds and some can't figure out how to engage their senior financial people. So I think they're all over the map on this one. Senior financial people and senior academic people. Exactly. Right. I either feel like they don't speak that language. They don't speak that language. And and his point to this group is you you need to take responsibility for reaching across the aisle, think about it as an investment, and put money towards helping faculty make this transition. Isn't that a great? Isn't that a great concept? It's a great concept. I'm curious your take on, or or if he talked about why it is so important for these financial people, these business officers, that the responsibility is in their court. Why? Why does he, a PhD and the chair of the Learning Alliance at University of Pennsylvania, put this back in the hands of the business people? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I just love this this overarching question that was part of his keynote. Are you going to be a bystander and observe, or are you actually going to become a partner who joins with the faculty in getting control over a curriculum that costs too much and leads to too few graduates? Mm. There you go. Done. Yeah. Okay, so tie that into to, uh, Saul Khan's uh, conversation. It seems like oh. this is kind of a natural uh, model challenge. Yeah. So Saul was first, and and you know he 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 got up there and did what was just he he told a very personal story, starting from uh, what it was like to tutor a cousin, uh, a younger cousin in math, 
and how that grew to other cousins, and then it turned into conference calls and webcasts, and then he decided to do a YouTube, and next thing he knows, it goes from 10 to 50 to 1,000 to 10,000 people watching his YouTubes, and then continuing to sort of live the world of being an investment banker, and at some point say, you know what, dear, maybe we should, I'm going to I'm gonna give up that world, uh, we'll dip into our savings, and I will start you know, putting some attention around this. And, you know, he went from tutoring his cousin to getting a $10,000 uh, donation on the internet, which then turned into $100,000. And then he told the story of getting a phone call from Bill Gates' special assistant, and he's holding the phone to his ear, and he's shaking and like, is this really going to be Bill Gates? Who was in his conference talking about Sal Khan. And, you know, and now they're in this world of... Um, not only delivering broad kind of learning to the masses, but you know they're taking on big questions like redesigning the SATs. Khan Academy is partnering uh, with college boards to redesign and create, in a sense, the 21st century SAT that's going to have relevance. Uh, so what he, what he did, which I found. Uh, he, he made a number of distinctions. The one I loved is that, you know, there's a lot, if I asked you, what's the value of a higher education? There's a lot of ways to answer that question. Uh, and he was very honest about the fact that, you know, he's got a little, he's got little kids and, he, you know, he wants, one of his favorite things in life, he remembers, was going through college and the experience of going through college. So, you know, he's not one of these people that even though he's got this hybrid model where he's saying, you know, we should all go towards the online learning. He's not saying that at all. What he's, you know, what he actually pointed to about college is three major uh, value points, which was one, the learning and what it means to be a learner, and then for these institutions, how do you actually serve the learner? Two, for the learner, uh, the whole socialization element of transitioning from being a young person to being an adult, and that process. Of, of being engaged on a campus in that way or with peers face-to-face. -face. And third, the value of a college education is the credentialing. And this conversation came up in response to a question that somebody asked, does Khan Academy have a plan uh, to move into credentialing? And I was actually expecting him to say, we are looking at that, and and one of the things we're going to do is uh, hopefully then be recognized like a land-grant institution, and people would get hired into a profession as a result of going through Count Academy training. He didn't say that. And whether or not that ever comes to be, uh, that's secondary. Uh, I actually think he told... Uh, what he knows. And what he knows right now is that his plan or their plan, because they're a much bigger organization at this point, is to find ways to embed the way that they're teaching what they're teaching online and having institutions embed the Khan Academy lessons into their curriculum so that it embellishes the credentialing uh, or that it, it it actually transforms the learning for our existing kind of college campuses as college campuses are looking for ways to save money. And part of it might be some of these introductory programs uh, become things that people take through Khan Academy. Uh, he absolutely that his you know, he's he's sitting in some ways 
um, my guess on the sidelines, waiting for institutions to say they're ready to take that risk. But it's sort of a catch-22 because it does beg the question, how do you, what do you do with faculty uh, who are, who have years upon years of, um, of uh, habit and discipline of delivering in a certain way, uh, and how could Khan Academy fit into this? So I think bold leaders uh, in in existing institutions will find ways, and Khan Academy will grow in that way because he's he's a very inspiring leader. That's fascinating. And that, so when you look at what he's doing in this sense of shaking up the model of traditional education by using Khan Academy content as sort of input. Uh, you know, how does that how does that connect to uh, Professor Zemsky's, uh, you know, uh, cry for business officers to help uh, help lead academics to lead that that change themselves? Yeah. Well, one of the one of the con- concepts that I think applies to both is something that Salman said, which was his observation that this the sea change shift that has to happen is the difference between covering material versus students learning material if you if you just dig into that a little bit the the model of of learning slash teaching is basically students or professors making sure material are covered and that there's a sequential way of doing it. Uh, we move people through it in chunks, freshmen, certain age, sophomore. And the Khan Academy has actually created a model where the individual learning can be tracked. So we showed a chart where a particular uh, class of 25 students, a professor could actually observe where students are excelling in different curriculum, uh, moving at a self-paced range and able to help those who need help in one area and let others continue to move along. And the model for the most part is uh, professors covering material and then students demonstrating their ability to get through that material. And either you do, you don't, and you get a grade. His His is more demonstrating what does it mean to have the focus be on letting the learner progress at their pace. And and shifting that is going to require investment to what Zemsky is yeah. talking about. It's going to require investment to say, how do we do that well? Where do we do that? Do we consider some of our core curriculum, maybe some of our introductory economics? We could use Khan Academy to teach that. And then we could use that time for something else. But it's not going to happen unless business officers take the responsibility of saying, this is a priority and we're going to help you through this. Right? Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, um, it, it takes this whole concept of, of a customer-focused or service-oriented, uh, you know, educational model to, I, I think, its, its rightful next step, right? We, yes. we tend to say, oh, we're definitely a service-oriented institution because we've taken all of the, the services that we normally consider services, like you don't have to wait in line to register. You can do a lot of stuff online. You can pay your bill with a credit card. You can... You 
you know, do, do things, you know, there's lots of restaurants on campus, you know, you can do things that are considered customer servicey, but we've never really, really effectively or fundamentally tackled academics, which yeah. is arguably the most important yeah. customer interface and, uh, it, in an educational it, institution. You know, Pete, that reminds me of something that Robert Zemsky said about the the existing model of how colleges operate. And the analogy he was using was to a restaurant. And he said something to the effect of, you know, imagine owning a restaurant in which all the customers uh, could order anything they wanted that, that they could imagine. And all the cooks could cook anything they wanted to cook. And you still had a business model that could work. And everybody's sitting there in the room. <laughs> we're sitting there. And I, and I would imagine that if anyone's paying attention, they realize – well, some of them are going, you know, it's not that bad, but but his point was is that we have to get that conversation under control. Uh, we need to have a thoughtful conversation about what should we be cooking, right? Uh, right. What should we be offering as opposed to trying to serve everybody's needs? Uh, so I think between Khan's, uh, Salman Khan's perception uh, an actual demonstration of offering up powerful learning models, uh, and he gave some remarkable examples how he's transformed people's lives. People in the audience, Pete, were getting up and and thanking him uh, during the Q and A because their daughter, one particular person, the daughter was dyslexic, and she's now teaching math. Uh. And when she was young, she couldn't do she couldn't do this wow. at all. And but endless. This is this is the kind of impact he's having. So, to me, the work that those the message that Zemsky had take responsibility and get in there and help them uh, make some investment and uh, Sal's message of uh, we're doing it and how can we integrate some of our ways of working into your existing structures? I think it was a a brilliant juxtaposition. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. What great lessons to come out of Las Vegas. Who would have thought that kind of genius coming right out of Las Vegas? <laughs> right out Vegas. of Las Vegas. The exact, yeah, I'm going back. I'm, <laughs> the site was, was, was excellent. The leadership was fantastic. Uh, and this was my first Wakubo, so uh, I was very impressed, just like I was with Sakubo and, uh, and Ikubo, which I've been going to for years. Well, this is great. Right, so glad that you're doing this, uh, this tour. National tour oh. of the Kubos. The Kubos, exactly. <laughs> and I'll tell you what's great. You, you know, I'm not sure if you know this, but I and anyone who's been involved in this, you know, the national organization really came out of these. The regions have been around a lot longer than the national. Right. Uh, and and the national is, you know, there there's also this wonderful thing going on right now there too. Is that this national organization is finding a way to really offer greater value to the regions. You know, so for example, my presentation is a demonstration of trying to do something consistent about all of them. But the national is also helping manage uh, more of the logistics in some of these situations. And, and I'll tell you, I think it's proving to be an even greater partnership between the regions and the national. Not easy to do that well, but I can tell you from a customer perspective, from an attendee perspective, uh, I think it shows up as uh, an extraordinary program. That's wonderful. Uh, do you have any more of these, or have you now finished this year's cycle? Well, actually, no, there's two more. I've done Sukubo and, uh, and, uh, and Wakubo. Wakubo. 
the central or Kakubo, uh, actually, Gail Gregory from our group is going to be partnering with one of the business officers there, and we're really excited about that. And then uh, after that, it's Ikubo in October, and we'll be coming back for that. And then at the national meeting, the wonderful thing is we're going to be giving the same topic presentation around communicating effectively, uh, but again, to the national audience, we'll be using some business officers for that. So this is a topic that has high residence for the uh, for the audience. Clearly, it's really clearly. a lot of fun to do. That's wonderful. Well, Howard, thank you so much for your time recapping your trip to Vegas. So appreciate your time and wisdom there. Uh, you can find out more about this show if this is your first time. Welcome. Head over to tybalink.com. You can listen to all of our past episodes there. Subscribe to the show. Just search for Navigating Change in iTunes is the easiest way to do it. Uh, you make sure you don't ever miss an episode. Uh, on behalf of Howard Tybel, I'm Pete Wright. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybalink.